The Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Know the difference. Now, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News. Winners, losers, and how about that GDP? Welcome to Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're glad you're here. Consider this a weekend audio magazine covering a favorite topic, investing and planning for your second act. Do we even need to call it retirement anymore? There's a whole lot of life after you hang it up. I'm Danny Clayton, Dr. Brian Jacobson, our chief economist in the studio. Welcome. It's great to be here. Dave Spano, president and CEO. Welcome to you. Yeah, thanks, Danny, and thanks for being here, Brian. You know, another negative week down nearly 3% on the S&P 500. You know, there's lots to focus on, both on the macro level, we saw a really good GDP number and some earnings reports that came out this week. Both of them moved the market. So let's start on the macro side. We saw a GDP number that was way over 4%, somewhat surprising. It really was. And 4.9% is the annualized growth of GDP, really driven by three things, consumer spending, a big swing in inventories and government spending. So when I look at the consumer spending, a lot of that was driven by services. Maybe that whole summer splurge on Taylor Swift concerts and Beyonce and travel, that's not likely going to persist as we go into the fourth quarter. The inventory swings, those are always a wild card. Is it the case that businesses really were underproducing and needed to kind of build up their inventories? And now have they overestimated what demand is going to be like going forward? And then that government spending one, national defense and infrastructure. Well, on our investment committee, when we're looking at that infrastructure spending, believe it or not, that is not likely going to peak until we get to 2026. So government spending is likely to make continued positive contributions to growth going forward, but consumers might become a drag. Yeah, so that's take that apart real quickly. And the reason why we spend so much time on the GDP number is because, of course, we know that positive GDP keeps us away from a recession. The 4.9% third quarter GDP will likely be revised downward. We saw that about 1.5% was this inventory growth in the third Mm -hmm. quarter, which could be used in the fourth quarter as we start to slow down. But I do agree that that's something that we have to pay attention to. It is going to go into the conversation that the Fed has next week. Very likely that they stand pat because the PCE number came in. The inflation indicator that they like to use was better than expected. It was. Yeah, the personal consumption expenditure for inflation wasn't all that bad. It was a slight uptick, but everybody was kind of expecting that because of the services component. A key thing is shelter costs are continuing to come down. We're not seeing an acceleration in service prices. Now, keep in mind that lower inflation does not require lower prices. So a lot of people kind of think, hey, cost of living is still high. Well, yes, it's still high and it's going to go higher. It's just a question of, is it getting closer to that Fed's target of 2%. We're getting closer to it. But from our investment committee's perspective, 2% is still maybe a 2025 story, not a 2023 or 2024. And that is worth repeating. So folks, when we talk about inflation, the rate of change, that means if they're targeting 2%, that means they only want prices to go up 2% and not the 9% that we saw last year. Really, as you said, that doesn't mean prices are going down. They're just not going up as fast. And so the inflation number that the Fed 
is looking at is getting closer to their target. Expect the Fed to stand pat next week. Now let's switch gears to what is happening with earnings reports as we go through major earnings report news this week. Yeah, we're actually about halfway through the earnings season, at least as measured by the S&P 500. And what we've been seeing is that a lot of businesses have been beating, but you've also seen some big misses as well. So this past week, we really saw a company like Microsoft or a company like Amazon seeming to fire on all cylinders, exceeding expectations. But then you have companies like Meta, also known as Facebook, and then Google, also known as Alphabet, those actually missing expectations. They had growth in their earnings. It's just it didn't meet those lofty expectations that were set for them. And so they talk about the magnificent seven, the seven big stocks that really have been driving. And so that is the reason why we do highlight that. But folks, there are another 493 companies that need to report as well. And we watch those as well. Some really missed the boat in a large way. They did. And one of the ones that I was really paying attention to is like energy. That's an area that we've really liked because we know that with the conflict in the Middle East, that's supported those uh, oil prices. These are also a lot of them are cash cows. But then a company like Exxon or Chevron, they reported and really they're actually seeing some squeezing as far as their profit margins when it comes from refineries. Now they've announced a few deals to really be big players in the Permian Basin. So we'll have to maybe look at this one more for the long term and not necessarily just based upon how they did in the third quarter. And as you know, folks, we often talk about what you own and why you own it. And as folks come in and we go through their portfolio review, they understand that they may be underweighted or overweighted in places that they shouldn't be. That is the wealth metric that we talk about. Yeah, until you see it face to face, it really won't click. We want to get you to the point where you can click and sit down with us. We'd love to do that. It all starts at AnnexWealth.com. You click that Get Started button. We operate as a fee-only fiduciary. That is a deep dive on the market. So I start the show off with that, a week in review, always available as a podcast and delivered Sundays in the Axiom newsletter. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. It is Sunday, October 29th. We are going to be right back on 92.5 Fox News. At Annex Wealth Management, our goal is to provide insight for complex financial decisions. For attorneys seeking CLE credit, join us November 14th at Shula Steakhouse for our presentation, Treatment of Quadro Distributions Post-Divorce. For tax consequences in today's environment, join our chief economist for navigating the markets, strategies in an ever-changing tax environment. November 15th at M Waterfront Grill. And come to our open house at our new location, 4901 Tamiami Trail from 2 till 5, November 16th. Details at AnnexWealth.com slash events. Annex Wealth management. We're back. A couple of weekend things you can do. Sign up for the Axiom, our free weekly newsletter. We're on social media, lots of places like LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube with a lot of channels. SWAT podcasts in depth and really, really good. And it's a fairly quick listen. That's from the Annex Wealth Management Investment Team. We're now publishing it earlier on Monday morning. So if you want to know what we're thinking about for the week to come, that would be the great thing. And then this show available on demand at the top of the hour on Spotify. In the studio, Brian Jacobson, Chief Economist at Annex Wealth Management. Dave Spano is our president and CEO. Yeah, thanks, Danny. You know, we were talking uh, between the break just now about what's happening around the world. And a lot of times when the Fed pauses... We like to take a deeper dive. You know, what is it for market cap? Do the small caps do better? Do large caps do better? You look around the world. And one of the things that we're starting to notice is both in Europe and in the Far East, those markets are really under pressure. They really are. And I think that some of it, actually most of it, is probably justified by deteriorating 
fundamentals. When I look at Europe, uh, they seem to be stuck in a recession. Now, keep in mind, markets already know that. And so from an investing perspective, the question is, is, well, what about next year? Are we going to see an improvement in the growth outlook in Europe? And so on our investment committee, we do have a slight overweight towards uh, non-U.S. stocks relative to the broader benchmark. And most of that is because it's very visible that Europe is in a recession. And even if you look at, let's say, emerging markets, the struggles that they've been having because of the stronger dollar. From our perspective, valuations, if you are that patient investor who is looking for those longer term opportunities, it does merit maybe a second look to take a a real look at those markets as opposed to just being solely focused on the U.S. And that really the way if you listen to this and go, well, how the heck do I do that? It's in your portfolio. You say, you know, there's domestic equities. There's also international equities. And some of those are, frankly, multinational companies Mm -hmm. that you can invest in here in the United States. But it doesn't just have to be in equities. It also can be in the fixed income market that you've looked at as well. Yeah, when we look at the fixed income markets, look at all the volatility, the ups and downs with the U.S. Treasury yields. And yet you have a country like Japan where they are still practicing what's called yield curve control. So they're trying to pin their interest rates towards zero to try to stimulate their economy. It's creating some interesting dynamics. Uh, An area that we've actually been really looking at is with emerging market debt. Keep in mind, emerging markets, you've got a lot of political risks there. I think you can see that as far as with Argentina, with their elections, Poland, with their elections that recently happened. That Argentina election is very interesting because you talked about pegging it to zero. I think they want to peg it to the U.S. dollar. That's even more interesting. That is. So one of the candidates who just got a little bit of an endorsement from uh, one of the, I think it was like the third place contender with the initial election. He's The guy who looked like Elvis Presley. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, He's proposing, (laughs) let's just get rid of our currency or peg it to the U.S. dollar instead. Other emerging market countries have done that. Ecuador has done that. Even Hong Kong, for the most part, they have pegged their currency to the dollar. What it does is it brings fiscal and monetary discipline to those countries. Um, The adjustment can be a little difficult to work through, but if you have incredibly rapid inflation like they do in Argentina, that is a great way to bring it under control and control quickly. You know, there was a segment on 60 Minutes uh, last week Sunday, uh, and they had the the eyes, you know, a lot of the CIA's and intelligent people around the world talking, and they said that China is the threat, both on AI and militarily, but you look at what's happening, they also have an economic issue for Mm -hmm. us as well, because they are slowing down, and they're the second largest economy in the world. They are. They're also also one of the larger holders of U.S. Treasury securities. And so if they are struggling, it means that they aren't buying as many U.S. Treasuries. And so what we've seen is the Fed stepping out of the market as a, uh, an active buyer of U.S. Treasuries and China as well. Now, uh, President Xi in China, he did something rather unprecedented. He went to the People's Bank of China, their offices. That's their version of the Federal Reserve, right. basically to say, hey, why don't you do a little bit more stimulus here? And now they're also planning on increasing the their budget deficit from 3% of GDP to 3.8% to do more infrastructure spending. And I think this is kind of important, is it's going to come at the federal level instead of historically, they've pushed it down to states and municipalities to do the stimulus. So now it's coming more from the top down under uh, President Xi's iron fist. Yeah, but folks, uh, you know, there really is a 
difference between financial advisors. I know you get a lot of information from different places, but there is a difference. Know the difference. Go to our website and hit the Know the Difference checklist. There you go. You know, gray divorces are increasing. Divorces up in financial planning. Annex can help. In fact, we'll talk about how a certified divorce financial analyst can help with the process. That's after a break. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. Do you cringe when you look at your high school pictures? So much has changed. From your hair, there might be less or a completely different color, to the innocence of your smile. We grow up and learn the world is bigger than we thought. It's the same with your money. Your views of wealth, legacy, and taxes have all grown up. Has your financial plan? Take a proactive approach. Get an Annex Wealth Management Tax Smart Strategy Review. Visit AnnexWealth.com slash TaxSmart. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management. Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning Development, CFP, CDFA, Wealth Manager at Annex. Welcome back. Hi, Danny. So buried in the middle of your certifications is CDFA or Certified Divorce Financial Analyst. And sometimes when I introduce you, it breezes by pretty quickly. Purpose of this conversation is to dig a little bit deeper and explain what that is and how it can be an effective resource for clients of Annex Wealth Management. Well, sure. So I've been a Certified Financial Planner, a CFP, for over 22 years. And about seven years ago or so, I decided to focus on people undergoing potentially financially life-changing events. I mean, that retirement it's included in one of those, of course, but so is divorce. And the current certification for divorce is the CDFA. A marriage is a partnership. And mm-hmm. when that partnership ends, there needs to be a fair and equitable distribution of assets. And that can get sticky. Well, sure, because no one really feels that their share is fair yeah. when all said and done. We're going to make no bones about it. A divorce is a major event with significant impact. We're going to talk to the financial side. At Annex, our entire team is a resource for our clients, PhDs, CFAs, CFPs, wealth strategists, wealth managers, state planning attorneys, long list. You are a wealth manager, a CFP, and a CDFA. What exactly is that? Well, it's the credential for financial professionals who help people plan their divorces and also assist on the other side of divorces. The goal is to help clients understand the financial side of divorce. Now, while divorce involves many different areas of life planning, one of the most significant issues that couples have to navigate is how to split their assets. And a certified divorce financial analyst helps with that. That sounds kind of legal. Does a CDFA help with legal issues? Well, it's really critical to understand that a CDFA is not a law degree or a license. It does not authorize the holder to help couples with any of the legal issues that come up during divorce. This is particularly important because of how often legal and accounting issues overlap during divorce proceedings, like with child support calculations, for example. So again, the CDFA is there for the accounting issues. The CDFA works with the attorney, but does not replace the attorney. You're a pretty busy person, but you said seven years ago you added CDFA to your quiver. Mm -hmm. What's the process to get that? Well, you know, okay, so the certification shows that the holder has studied and shown a special expertise in the financial and accounting field with issues that frequently occur while you're navigating and negotiating a divorce. The certification, again, is not a license or authorize the holder to help couples negotiate their divorce. It really indicates a significantly higher degree or skill or specialty in that field. It, it does require a basic four-year bachelor education and then intense studies and exams. I hate to say it, but the need is 
increasing. We're talking often about gray divorce. When a client is at the point where they need a CDFA, how do they utilize those services? The role of the CDFA operates similarly to how the roles of attorney work at Annex. In both cases, we're not allowed to practice law because Annex is not a law firm. We're here as an educational resource in both cases. Relative to divorce, anyone can schedule a 30-minute session virtually or on the phone with myself as a CDFA here at Annex to answer questions about the divorce process in general and give clients or prospective clients a feel for what to expect in the process, education on different types of divorce, and based on their situation, some considerations. In all cases, we suggest one speak with an attorney. However, we're here to help people understand the financial aspect of divorce, including reading the marital settlement agreement, the the quadro or qualified domestic relation order, and explaining those to the client and what their expectations are, understanding how pensions are split, assisting with the splitting of the assets after the divorce, as well as helping to sort out beneficiary designations, and even budgeting during and post divorce. And then, of course, things like support, child and spousal. Because the chips need to fall and we want to help where they're and how they're going to fall? We do. So very often I will take a look at um, someone's in-process divorce at their paperwork and be able to answer questions. And then we can put it in our financial planning software and project how they will look on the other side of divorce. And in the long run, everyone wants to know, am I going to be okay coming out of this? How often do you have to put that CDFA hat on? Oh, I would say it's much more now post-COVID. That really seemed to accelerate the cases that came our way, particularly with couples who are in that gray divorce area, so post 50 years old. And you know, when you're older and nearing retirement and looking at splitting your assets, everything that you built, basically it feels like you're starting over. It is a daunting task. We're here to help you sort that out. Deanne Phillips, Director of Client Learning and Development, a CFP and a CDFA at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's Sunday, October 29th. Up next, we're going to talk about lifestyle creep. What is it? How can you avoid it? This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. Headlines, texts, emails, the TV, the computer, the phone, even your smartwatch. Every day, market volatility can lead to anxiety and planning paralysis. No surprise, Americans report being stressed about their investment and retirement plans. Turn down the media roar. Dial up the planning. Put Annex Wealth Management on your side for investment and retirement guidance that includes tax and estate planning. Head to AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. Know the difference with a fee-only fiduciary. That's Annex Wealth Management. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? Welcome back. Amy Bremer, CFP and Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management. Hi, Danny. Isn't this a well-timed discussion? In a world where everything we need is going up in price, we're at a point where that kind of inflation is colliding with another type of inflation, and that is lifestyle inflation. How do we define lifestyle inflation? That's a great question, Danny. So we determine lifestyle inflation as lifestyle creep, and that's where your wage increase, so you increase your lifestyle. Maybe you upgrade to the king size super value meal, or you upgrade to the nicer level car when before you would have gotten the entry level car. So just death by a million cuts sort of things, only in relation to money. 
So right at the top, Amy, we're going to point out that in no way are we saying that people shouldn't enjoy themselves and the fruits of their labor. In fact, this is more of a cautionary piece for maybe younger folks or people starting out that we're going to offer up some insights that might lead to a more fulfilling future. Maybe the subtitle should be more money, more problems, yeah, right? right? Dee, that's a good one. Does that happen? And to get at lifestyle inflation, do we need to challenge a status quo? Yes. So first, please let me interject here and say we are not telling folks that you must take a vow of poverty. We're not the clergy here. You know, we're regular folk working hard for our money and we should be able to enjoy it. But we want to address more the keeping up with the Joneses type mentality where, you know, the neighbors got the swimming pool. So, hey, I can get a swimming pool too when swimming pools are really expensive no matter where you live. So we just want to make sure that the lifestyle that you live doesn't exponentially increase in conjunction to the income that you earn. But it happens. It does. It happens all the time? Not all the time. Some folks have a higher propensity to that than others, and a lot of it is driven by their choice of profession. However, it's really easy to avoid it, and it's to pay yourself first. So one of the ways that I tell um, folks that I work with at Annex is when you get those annual wage increases, they're nice, you know, 3%, 4%. Sometimes if you had a better year, five or six, put half of it in your 401k because a 3% wage increase over 26 pay periods, if you get paid every other week, and then you have income tax taken out of it, which you got to pay the piper, that's not enough really to move the needle on your lifestyle. But if you put it in your 401k, that's going to do great things for your future retirement. Some people are great at the next suggestion. I'm not. It is to track your spending, make a budget, stick to it. Nobody likes to budget, do they? No, honestly, budgeting is the worst. It's not fun. And us humans, we like to have fun. But me personally, I track my expenses. So I know when I get to a certain limit that I got to stop spending for the month and I just kick it to next month. There's tons of resources online. Um, Mint.com is a great one. Annex uses something called eMoney where you can link up your credit cards and your bank accounts through your username and passwords and it tracks all of your spending. So it fills out a budget for you. It's really easy. I'm on board with this. Prioritize important expenses. Yes. So I find that if people have aspirational goals, like we're saving for a down payment on a house, or we really want to go to Europe, or we want to get married or buy that vacation home. If you have a goal that you're working towards, it's easier to sacrifice today to save for that future goal. So make a goal and have it be a fun one. Talking about lifestyle inflation or lifestyle creep with Amy Bremer, a CFP and a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. What really might help to fight that lifestyle creep is to, before spending anything else, you need to make sure that you're contributing to tax advantage accounts, right? Oh my gosh, most definitely. And those tax advantage accounts are your traditional 401k at work or 403b if you're in the private sector, a traditional IRA. And those will get you a tax break today. And then that money grows for your future future, and then you just pay the taxes when you're in your retirement. And how about everybody's buddy, if you qualify for it, the HSA? Oh, I love HSAs. So those ones are triple taxed advantaged. The kicker is you have to have a high deductible health insurance plan. So check with your HR department at work to see if you have one of those available to you. But you get tax break when you put the money in. So it acts kind of like a traditional 401k on the way in. You can invest your HSA money. So all that growth comes tax-free. And then when you take the money out, whether you're working or not, and you spend that money on a qualified medical expense, it's tax-free to you too again. Yeah, it's they're pretty darn amazing. They're and awesome. 
you touched on this earlier, but let's talk a little bit more about it. You get a raise, you get a bonus, you invest it. Yes. And, you know, again, getting back to that, you know, we're not clergy, don't take a vow of poverty. You should enjoy the fruits of your labor. You work hard. You should have some joy from that, too. But I say put half, put half of it in your 401k. The compounding over the next 20, 30 years of your life is just exponential growth and and your future self will be grateful for it. Do you run into lifestyle creep at every age group or every maybe asset level that we deal with at Annex Wealth Management? That's a great question, Danny. So I, yes, actually, there are doctors who you think would be living high on the hog that they've made tons of money and they do, but there's something called doctoritis where, you know, you make a lot of money and you spend a lot of money getting back into that keeping up with the Joneses mentality. And sometimes those folks have find it difficult to retire. For investment and retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning, we do it as a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. Our website is AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Start the wealth metric process. Amy Bremer, CFP and Wealth Manager at Annex Wealth Management, thank you for joining us. My pleasure, Danny. Take care. At Annex Wealth Management, our goal is to provide insight for complex financial decisions. For attorneys seeking CLE credit, join us November 14th at Shula Steakhouse for our presentation, Treatment of Quadro Distributions Post-Divorce. For tax consequences in today's environment, join our chief economist for navigating the markets, strategies in an ever-changing tax environment, November 15th at M Waterfront Grill. And come to our open house at our new location, 4901 Tamiami Trail from 2 till 5, November 16th. Details at AnnexWealth.com slash events. Annex Wealth management. Back on the show, time for Ask Annex. Got a question for us? You head to our website, AnnexWealth.com. Look for the Ask button. And of course, as always, if we can help, you click that Get Started button. In the studio, Fred Coleman, a CFP and a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome. Thank you, Danny. We got Matt Morsey, investment team manager. Welcome to you. Hey, Danny. Question number one. My wife and I invested every year in a 529 for our son. He has decided to enlist in the military upon graduation in the spring. He's our only child and says he has no intention of attending college after his service obligation ends. Neither my wife nor I intend on using the 529 ourselves. What are our options to retain the value of this investment? In these situations, you have a few options. First option is changing a beneficiary to another family member. And the IRS definition of a family member goes pretty far down the bloodline, even to first cousins. The second option is withdrawing the funds and paying the taxes and penalties on the earnings and just moving it into a different type of investment account. That way you can still continue to invest, just lose the need to use it for college expenses. The third option is a newer option that allows you to roll the 529 into a Roth IRA in your child's name. To do this, the 529 account must be open for 15 years. It cannot exceed the annual contribution limits and no contributions within the last five years may be rolled over. The max that you can roll over is $35,000. Next up on Ask Annex, I got to temporarily pause either my HSA or 401k contribution. Any opinion on which? Probably no more than six months. Yeah, that's a great question and one that, you know, from time to time people have to decide how am I going to save? I, I either have to limit what I'm doing right now because of situations that may be outside of my control and I've got to decide where I'm going to go. Financial planning, this is really, really important for this. You could take a look at long term, which is going to be a better decision for you. Short term, you kind of look at it a couple different ways. From a 401k side, are you 
you getting a match on that contribution? If you are, you probably want to do that because otherwise you're giving up that free money and who doesn't like free money? After that, if you already are getting past that match standpoint or you don't get a match at all with your 401k, I love HSAs. They're one of the things that I, I believe in really, really strongly. Plus, if you're in a situation where you need to scale back how much you're saving, that might be a time where you might be worried about an emergency popping up or something else going on. And at least if you put that money in the HSA, if that emergency is due to health reasons or something comes up that's outside of your control from a medical standpoint, you can use that money without penalty, without any taxes or anything like that to pay for those health expenses. So that's one of the reasons why I love the HSA. Yeah, and this is also an opportunity to reevaluate your financial plan and emergency funds uh, because we know in life it's not a matter of if these situations will come up, but when they'll come up. If you've been listening to our show for a while, you know that Ask Annex sometimes can provoke some arguments. We've talked about backyard <laughs> barbecues yeah, where tailgates. people have gotten mm-hmm. into things. Well, here's a new one. This argument came up at a football tailgate. One of my friends is advocating investing in defense-oriented companies based on world events. Another says it's probably too late. Yeah, I love these types of arguments. I even, you know, get into these arguments with my friends sometimes, and they're they're fun. But, you know, ultimately, we never know. We do know that sometimes defense stocks can get a boost due to different world events, but it's not guaranteed, and it's very difficult to time in the short term. So once you hear about it on the news, it's probably too late if you're looking at that short-term boost. From a long-term perspective, we know military spending will always be in the government's budget, and these stocks tend to lean towards more dividend paying. And so if you do need income in your portfolio, they can be an option. Yeah, I think you made a couple of great points there in front. Maybe we need you on the investment team because that's some (laughs) of the stuff that we look at every single day. And I love that we've got guys on the team that that's all that they do is dig into individual companies. They're on their earnings calls. They're reading all the reports that come through and they're looking at it from a long-term perspective. Short-term, a lot of times when there is a geopolitical event, you're right. We see that event happen there's a reaction in the stock. A lot of times that's very short-lived. And if it was a big boost up, a lot of times that pulls back pretty quickly once that it kind of that sentiment loses a little bit or that air pops out of that balloon a little bit for the extent of that one company or maybe that sector. So what we like to look at is, is this company positioned to do well long-term regardless of specific events? Is it something that they have great management of that company? They're managing employees well. They're managing capital well within that company. They know how to get what they sell out into the market and do so with a quality balance sheet and make it a profit every single year. So we're looking at those individual companies for that. From a sector standpoint, you're right. A lot of times that tends to be short-lived and the government is always spending a lot of money and that goes up every single year. So you know there's kind of a tailwind behind there, but how well is that company managed ultimately is going to decide which companies are the ones to invest in. Matt Moore is the investment team manager on Ask Annex. Thank you. Thank you. Fred Coleman, wealth manager and a CFP at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you. Thank you. If you have reached millionaire status, you were probably sick and tired of hearing that you had it handed to you, that it came easy. What are millionaire myths and why are they wrong? We're going to take a fresh look at them next with Brandon Lehman, director of Annex Private Client. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News. Do you cringe when you look at your high school pictures? So much has changed. From your hair, there might be less or a completely different color, to the innocence of your smile. We grow up and learn the world is bigger than we thought. It's the same with your money. Your views of wealth, legacy, and taxes have all grown up. Has your financial plan? Take a proactive approach. Get an Annex Wealth Management Tax Smart Strategy Review. Visit AnnexWealth.com slash TaxSmart. 
Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management? Brandon Lehman, Director of Annex Private Client. Welcome back. Danny. Well, let's start there. What's the best way to describe Annex Private Client? It's a part of Annex that really caters to the high net worth, complex situations that have a lot of moving parts. One way I like to think about it is integrating the tax with the estate, which we do at Annex, right across Annex. But this gets to levels where we're worried about estate taxes, where we're worried about how does this flow generationally, philanthropically? How does this all work together? And that's where Annex Private Client really comes into play. You are the right person to talk about this. According to Fidelity's Millionaire Outlook study, 82% of millionaires are self-made Easy to think the wrong way about high net worth individuals and families. Plenty of myths we're going to talk about for some insight. In your role with Annex Private Client, you might have heard some of this frustration firsthand. The first millionaire myth is if you got a high salary, you are set for life. Yeah, so that is a huge myth on multiple levels. But the first and foremost is what we've noticed, and it's not all people, but people tend to grow into their income. So the key to this, the key to make that millionaire status, right, is savings. What you see from incredibly successful people people is this laser focus on savings. They might make a lot, but they sure save a lot. And it's not just 401k. They look at 401ks. Yes, it's that tax advantaged opportunity to save, but no, we're doing a lot more savings somewhere else inside of an opportunity to grow so they can reach those early retirement goals. Millionaire myth number two, it's all luck. And let me tell you, blood, sweat, tears, right? It is all about how much they pour into their lives. Let me take a step back. What I mean by that is a lot of these millionaires are actually business owners and it's blood, sweat, and tears of 10, 20, 30, 40, in some instances, 50 years of pouring their souls into their business and eventually coming out of it with a million or more dollars. But it's taken years, it's sleepless nights, it's stress, it's hard, it's travel. All of that is poured into this. So when you see the end game, what you don't see is just like an iceberg, all of that stuff under the water that they had to pour into it to make it successful. Millionaire myth number three, you gotta make all your money before you retire. Well, see, that leads to the business owner thing again, because that's so not true. What you tend to see is, yes, they might cash flow really well right before retirement, but really, it's after retirement, quote unquote, is all defined and all relative on what you want to do. But when they sell that business, when they finally monetize all that hard work of 20, 30 or 40 years. Brandon Lehman, director of Annex Private Client, an offering from Annex for clients with high net worth and complex challenges that come along with that. Millionaire myth number four, you got to have a fancy college degree. To be fair, a lot of folks do have degrees, but is it fancy? Typically not. Is it high end? Typically not. It's the will and the drive to build a successful business and focus on that and put all your heart and soul into building something successful. That is how they reach these levels. That is how folks have gone from nothing, in some instances, literally nothing, to multi-million dollars because blood, sweat, and tears that they just did year over year over year. Now, yes, college helped in some instances, but some of these folks didn't go to school. I, I can think about easily a handful of folks that I know that have become incredibly wealthy that didn't end up going to college. Millionaire myth number five, they work for big banks, law firms, and tech companies. Well, I think this ties right back into myth number four, which is just they tend to be business owners. The vast majority of millionaires, 66% actually, are individual business owners. They started something or purchased something. Think about this in the aspect that it started from scratch. Sometimes they take a huge risk and go out and buy another business that was maybe doing okay, and then they've turned it into something just incredible. And again, 
a handful of those I've seen just this year where they bought something that was doing well and over the course of 9, 10, 20 years turned it into something that was unbelievably successful. Millionaire myth number six, success comes easily and early. I think I've said it all along. It's blood, sweat, and tears. It, one, it doesn't come early because you have to put in the work. Yes, maybe there's some luck there that somehow it happened. But in reality, it's hard work day in and day out. It's grinding. It's putting in the effort. And then eventually it pays off. Sometimes it pays off really early if you're lucky. But in reality, it, it takes a long time to build this. But the hardest thing that you start to see, which I think dives into kind of our last myth, is they don't ever get out of it because they don't know what to do after it. Myth seven is they don't have anything to worry about. And really the next one is they got their future all figured out. That's not true. Yeah. So both of those are definitely not true. When you think about one they have a lot to worry about because when we talk business owners might support more than just their family. It might support 10, 20, 30, 150 other families. That weighs on their mind all the time is the decision they're making right, not just for them, but for everybody else that relies on that company. The second thing is, do they have it all figured out? Absolutely not. That is why they come to us because they are really good at what they do. Incredibly successful. But do they understand how their decisions, their tax choices, their estate choices impact all of that? That's where we come into play when you look at the wealth strategist team we have at Annex Private Client to really factor all that in laser focused and help build really what is next. And to make sure that myth number seven and myth number eight, they don't have anything to worry about and they got it all figured out. That's our job to help them get through that. No matter where you're at, there's a logical entry point to work with Annex. There's Annex Ignite, Annex Comprehensive Wealth, Annex Private Client. Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Brandon Lehman, Director of Annex Private Client. Thanks for jumping on. Danny? It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. At Annex Wealth Management, our goal is to provide insight for complex financial decisions. For attorneys seeking CLE credit, join us November 14th at Shula Steakhouse for our presentation, Treatment of Quadro Distributions Post-Divorce. For tax consequences in today's environment, join our chief economist for navigating the markets, strategies in an ever-changing tax environment, November 15th at M Waterfront Grill. And come to our open house at our new location, 4901 Tamiami Trail from 2 till 5, November 16th. Details at AnnexWealth.com slash events. Annex Wealth management. Back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. Robert Chastain, Branch Director, Wealth Manager, Annex Wealth Management, Southwest Florida. Hey, Robert. Hi, Danny. Do wealthy people plan for retirement differently? Well, kind of. We found a list of six ways that they do. But I got to tell you, bottom line, much of the retirement planning process often comes down to being consistent, having a long-term vision. In fact, many of the retirement planning steps that wealthy people take can be replicated by anybody. The first that is worth mentioning is they live below their means. That doesn't mean they don't enjoy a great lifestyle. Well, Danny, uh, that's a great starter for that. But a couple of the traits that I see, you know, over my 20-something years of doing this, most of them act their wage. What do I mean by that? They almost always carry lower debt. Debt scares them. Debt bothers them. They don't like paying interest to banks or anybody else. They'd rather pay themselves. Their savings are their top priority. So putting money away, squirreling it away is their first act when they get paid. When they are out to buy something, it doesn't mean, you know, if you're a good saver that you can't treat yourself now and again, but they almost all divide things into two categories. Is it a nice to have or have to have? They almost all have a budget and try and live by that budget. 
And they do more than just save. They're also investing, and they're investing for growth. They are. And what's really interesting about that, and, and I'll just bring up the, you know, my past history of uh, working with a bunch of different uh, clients. They have different risk for different buckets. If you have a pretty wealthy person, their Roth IRAs are almost always earmarked for their beneficiaries. If the client might be 80 years old, they're investing for their kids and their grandkids with their Roth assets, typically. And it's very, very interesting to see that they're doing a distribution strategy that makes the most tax sense for their beneficiaries if they are very, very sure to not outlive their assets. They're also pretty good at keeping an eye on taxes. I mean, really focusing on taxes. Could be the biggest differentiator. And one thing that I've learned since I've come to Annex and working with some of our tax planning guys, I sure wish I knew them when I sold a few companies in my previous Mm -hmm. career. Robert Chastain, Branch Director, Wealth Manager, Annex Wealth Management, Southwest Florida. Six ways wealthy people plan for retirement differently. Well, we'll combine two. One is they stay disciplined, but the other is they focus on the long term. They sure do, Danny. And some of the traits, and we've been talking about traits on the previous topics, their eyes are on the end goal and the prize. You know, and most of their prize, they want to be able to retire as soon as they can or have the option to. And it's different going to work every day if you know you don't have to be there, you're choosing to be there. One thing that they do, they're investing for that end goal to be able to be debt-free, risk-free, and and the option to retire be theirs. With that, advertising and marketing departments are paid a lot of money to get people to clicks and shake them out out of investments. And some of the most successful people I've seen ignore the daily headlines, and they're looking at quarters, at years, and they're planning that way. It's not to say that a big event wouldn't make them change course, But on a day-by-day basis, a lot of them feel like that's just noise. And the final thing on this list of six things that wealthy people do when planning for retirement, they maintain sufficient liquidity. Why don't you break that one down for us? Well, your distribution strategy from your estate should have liquidity needs built into that. Your financial plan should have those needs built in and where you pull the money from. So we can almost tie this all together with taxes and money you're going to leave for your heirs. So we're going to go back to that a little bit. But if you have an emergency arise, you should already know where those funds are coming from. And they may be invested in short-term treasuries or something that you could pull cash out of them if you need it. If not, then they're earning the going interest rate, which is being offered by the government. But your other assets, right? Your Roths are probably going to be invested more for the long term. Your IRAs might be taking slightly more risk than your joint brokerage account. Your financial plan and your distribution plan should take your liquidity needs into account at all times. Listen, before we let you go, AnnexWealth.com, great place to start. Maybe you're not on the internet all the time. If you want to call Robert. Anybody can reach me directly at 239-350-6363. Great. And we've got a brand new location, and that means we're going to throw a little bit of a party. It's going to be November 16th from 2 to 5 p.m. Come join us, and the Mayor of Naples will be here to cut the ribbon for us. 
Excellent. Robert Chastain, Branch Director, Wealth Manager, Annex Wealth Management, Southwest Florida. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Thank you, Danny. You too. Well, the markets are a little bumpy. You seasoned investors, you've seen it before. How about millennials? Millennials tend to bail on retirement planning when water gets a little choppy. Should they? We're going to talk about it next. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. Do you cringe when you look at your high school pictures? So much has changed. From your hair, there might be less or a completely different color, to the innocence of your smile. We grow up and learn the world is bigger than we thought. It's the same with your money. Your views of wealth, legacy, and taxes have all grown up. Has your financial plan? Take a proactive approach. Get an Annex Wealth Management Tax Smart Strategy Review. Visit AnnexWealth.com slash TaxSmart. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management, joined by Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services, Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back, Tom. Hello, Danny. Also joining us, Tom Burkholz, CFP and Financial Planning Specialist, Annex Wealth Management. Hey, Tom. Hi there. By the way, you are representing Millennial Generation. Is that all right? Yep. Double Tom. So I'm just start with each guy's names if I got a question for you like this one. Tom Parks. Here's the headline that caught my eye. Six in 10 millennials consider cashing out of retirement plans in large market downturn. For a guy focused on retirement plans, that's got to send a shiver down your spine. Danny, the word that comes to mind is when I hear from my my high school age kids, cringeworthy. Cringeworthy. Yes. Tom Burkholz, I highly doubt that is you, but you are the representative millennial. So what's going on? Yeah, well, for one, we know about half of millennials live paycheck to paycheck. So as we experience these market downturns, there's more layoffs and more millennials finding themselves taking money out of their 401k, in my opinion, out of necessity. Um, And I also think there's some temptation when there's that smaller 401k balance to just say, you know, it's only $5,000. I'm just going to take it out, cash it out. But they don't really think of the time value of money that by the age they retire, that's going to be worth a lot more. It's not that they're worried about the future, do you think? Do they think that the world is coming to an end or anything? I do think with millennials, they tend to be more pessimistic yeah. about the state of things and, and the future of our planet and whatnot. So that could play part of it as well. Okay. Tom Parks, good sample in this survey. Size of over 4,000, everybody's 18 and older, contributing at least 1% to a current plan and or having $5,000 in at least one former plan. But 60% considering cashing out with this market downturn, I know the answer, I think, but what's the long-term potential impact of cashing out? Yeah, well, Mr. Burkholz kind of alluded to this with the time value of money. And when I look at this, you know, you think of millennials cashing out without regard to the market performance, generally not going to be a good idea when we're talking about a retirement plan account, generally speaking. So the long-term impact on the ability to grow is obviously going to be diminished with actions like this. Tom Burkholz, I saw somewhere that this might be because millennials haven't seen something quite like this before. Mm-hmm. Maybe you saw the 08, 09 recession as kids. You're in the biz, but you got a historical perspective. But is this just totally unexpected? No, I mean, in fact, it should be totally expected. We know that on average, bear markets happen about every one in seven years. So they're a common thing. And if you listen to Warren Buffett's advice, it's pretty simple. You, you want to buy low and sell high. And I just view recessions and pullbacks like this as an opportunity to buy low and accumulate more shares and really just participate in the upside from here. The headline, six in 10 millennials consider cashing out of retirement plans in large market downturn. Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services at Annex Wealth Management is here. So is Tom Burkholz, CFP and a financial planning specialist and a millennial. If not a retirement plan, where's that money going? 
Nearly half of millennials are extremely interested in investing in ESG. More planned participants also jumping into digital assets such as cryptocurrencies. In fact, millennials lead the way in the category with 61% investing in crypto. Yeah, Danny, this is an interesting aspect of this. So when we talk about, Sir Bergholz again said, this opportunity with the market being where it is. Now, do we know if the market is going to go down further before we hope eventually it's going to go up? We do generally think of market downturns as opportunities for buying. When you start looking at ESG, there are very specific fiduciary considerations that need to be taken into impact with retirement plans in particular that makes that an interesting concept. But when we look at cryptocurrency, lots of different opinions when it comes to cryptocurrency. What I would say is if you're looking at a retirement account, you want to really question, is that the appropriate vehicle for cryptocurrency speculation? Yeah. And another thing I'll mention is I actually just saw some research that millennials who are buying crypto on average, tend to have more debt than their peers. So are we seeing this lottery ticket phenomenon where just like people who buy lottery tickets often out of need, are we seeing millennials who are buying crypto, it's more out of need that they just want to hit it big so they can start paying off their loans and things like that. The other thing, Danny, that I forgot to mention is we do have a What's That video on ESG for those of you who are listening, kind of wondering what we're talking about there. So check out our YouTube channel for that. You know, I got to plug those things. Very, very nice. This is probably a huge opportunity for companies to educate their employees of staying in and staying hanging with the market, right? Absolutely. I think it is difficult when you're looking at what's going on. These times we try to prepare people for saying market turbulence does happen. It's one thing to talk about it theoretically. It's obviously an entirely different thing to experience it in real life, which is what's happening now. The opportunity for education is an ongoing one. It is acute right now, though, I would say. So we're doing a lot of messaging with our 401k clients in particular because people are understandably concerned. And a lot of times what we find is just if you have a communication, you talk to people, you let them know you're there. It really goes a long way to, to helping stabilize their, their emotions. Yeah, for sure. Tom Burkholz representing Millennial Nation. Do you believe six and 10 millennials are thinking about doing this? I personally do not consider it. My friends and my family that I've talked to have not, but I would imagine because we know millennials do really live paycheck to paycheck, many of them. So I think a lot out of necessity are. For investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning, we do it as a fee-only fiduciary. Know the difference. Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click the Get Started button. Start that wealth metric process. Tom Burkholz, CFP, financial planning specialist. Thank you. My pleasure. Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services. Thank you. Look forward to coming back, Danny. Thanks. At Annex Wealth Management, we believe every portfolio tells a story. After all, we've analyzed thousands. Some reflect diligence and fortitude. Others, a mishmash of overlapping investments. When Annex reviews your portfolio, we spot what works, what might not, and then provide unbiased suggestions free from sales commissions. Every portfolio tells a story. Let's work on yours. Investment, retirement, tax, and estate planning. As a fee-only fiduciary, that's our story. Head to AnnexWealth.com. Back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. This show you can get as a podcast at the top of the hour, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. If you want to go back, maybe you came in late. I'm Danny Clayton. It's Brian Jacobson, our chief economist, still in the studio. Continuing our conversation from last week about private equity in regards to Annex Private Client, you've probably seen various high-profile names attached to various PE investments. 
Never thought we'd mention the Kardashians on the show, but the Kardashians <laughs> have become billionaires yep. with that. Serena Williams, Tom Brady, public friends of Wheels Up, the private flight mm-hmm. company that's hit severe turbulence now. <laughs> the latest is Kristen Bell and her husband, Dak Shepard, an adorable couple. Yep. They founded Hello Bello, a baby products company. A lot of PE money poured in. They were in Walmart. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. Yep. But the wheels fell off, torpedoed by high shipping and production costs. It wasn't all their money. This was PE yeah. money that was backed. What is PE's role in this type of investment? Yeah, so it was a really interesting story, especially since they do seem like such a cute couple, you know, and I'm sure they're doing just fine. This is probably more of a passion project for them, right? Uh, Get some extra income, but it was also an idea that they had that they really firmly believed in. And they were able to convince some private equity backers to believe in it as well. So this uh, PE firm, VGM Partners, they helped invest in this company to help it grow. When I brought that story to you, you'd seen it, but yeah. you automatically said, oh, VGM partners. So you knew. Yeah, yeah. It, it, mainly because, you know, it, it is, uh, there are certain private equity firms that are famous for investing in particular themes or ideas. And so VGM partners, and you can just Google them to see what their portfolio of companies are. And you'll probably recognize a number of these brands, but a lot of it was as far as with like consumer goods trying to be a little bit more environmentally friendly. That's kind of their thing. And so they tried to help fund the growth of this company. Now, unfortunately, not all of those bets pay off. And as a result, Hello Bello, they uh, unfortunately have filed for bankruptcy. So a VGM, a PE firm, amasses the money and it amasses the money via investments. How does the investment work? Yeah, so oftentimes what happens is because investors already have experience with the PE firm, um, they are effectively investing in what's called a blind pool. They don't know what VGM is going to go by. So they just have previous experience based on the reputation of the private equity firm that these limited partners, these investors will fund, uh, commit capital to a particular fund. And then VGM will go out and find businesses to uh, invest in on those limited partners' behalf. So this is a form of financing. It really is. It's uh, instead of going to friends and family or instead of going to the bank to raise money, it's really a way for these smaller businesses to get not just financing, but also expertise. Oftentimes, these private equity firms, they have a lot of experience in that particular industry, and so they can bring their expertise. So it's not just giving money, it's also giving knowledge. The batting average isn't a 1,000. No, no. No. No, and that's why they create these funds, and oftentimes these funds will have many investments in them. Sometimes as few as like three, but oftentimes it could be dozens of companies that they're investing in. So this particular fund that was invested in Hello Bello, well, Hello Bello went bankrupt. It's not as though all of the investments in that fund went bankrupt. Even when things go south, it's the, it's not over. No, you told it's me not. about something called vulture capital. <laughs> yeah, and so what ended up happening is there's actually another private equity firm that they specialize in distressed events. Sometimes they're called vulture funds where they will find out who's going into bankruptcy, who's filed, and they'll try to see if they can purchase them out of bankruptcy. Let's say in the perfect world, these things would work out. Mm -hmm. 
how do they work out? What, what, what eventually, how do they pay out? Yeah, so sometimes companies will hold on to them because they, they like the cash that it's kicking off. But oftentimes, they might sell it to either a strategic buyer or a financial buyer. A strategic buyer would, just as an example, let's say Hello Bello, if they were sold to another consumer goods company, a bigger company, it's a strategic fit for the portfolio of products. Or it could be to another private equity firm. It used to be that really the golden ring was to try to actually go public, to list the shares on the New York Stock Exchange. But now more often, it's one private equity firm selling it to another private equity firm. What is the role of private equity with Annex Private Client? It, it can play a role in portfolios when it's appropriate for that client. There are all sorts of different risks associated with it. You have to be really patient with these investments. It's not as though it's something traded on the New York Stock Exchange where you can look at the price and you can buy and sell whenever you want to, whatever quantity. It really is a commitment. And so it is really for higher net worth individuals who have those longer term goals and can tolerate the opacity. So the fact that you don't necessarily always know the finances and also the illiquidity, the fact that you can't get out just whenever you want. You get 50 cents for opacity. Very nice. <laughs> Dr. Brian Jacobson is our chief economist at Annex Wealth Management. Thank you very much. Thank you. I learn so much all the time. Folks, put this guy to work and the rest of the team. We do investment and retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning. We do it as a fee-only fiduciary. We'd love to do it for you this past hour, only a sample of what we do and how we do it. You get the full picture when you sit down with us and talk about your situation. Click the Get Started button at AnnexWealth.com. Thank you for listening. We'll be back here next Sunday at noon. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News. The Annex Wealth Management Show is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation.